FM HD1 Rally. We're a student-run nonprofit radio station based out of North Carolina State University. I'm Keevel Wilson, and this is Off the Record. Today we have Rosie Tucker. If you don't mind introducing yourself real quick. Um, hello, I'm Rosie Tucker. Did I talk about myself, or is that appropriate? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> um, I am a singer-songwriter from Los Angeles, and I'm on tour right now. Um, they are going to be in Durham tomorrow, so you should probably be there. Yeah. Um, so first question I have for you, um, something really interesting I've noticed about your music is you kind of tend to stick to the short form. You have songs on the shorter side. Um, your longest album is what, 35 minutes? Yes. And you just put out, um, Tiny Songs, volume one. Yes. Um, what kind of draws you to having a shorter form? music i think that being a very lyrics oriented person um means that once i have completed an idea in a lyric way like everything is coherent and hangs together the metaphors make sense i do not feel pressure to like pack more in um i think that there are forms there's a lot of music where so much of what is delightful about the music is really settling into a groove for a very, very long time. Um, and that is not what my songwriting has begot, but that's okay. So yeah, I think it's kind of just being lyric forward. And I, I mean, subsequent music, I think there will be more room to expand. And every time I record something else, not so with Tiny Songs, but every album has kind of led me to try new things and longer form and stuff so we'll see what the future brings but yeah also with tiny songs um you put out kind of a visual element as well every single song had its own little visual thing and you collaborated with a bunch of different artists with animation and live stuff how did you kind of go about finding all these collaborators to help you with your vision um it was so fun a couple of them are strangers like mm. really dope i feel like we found two of them on tumblr um <laughs> which is amazing which is amazing and like now you know have like had really great uh experiences with everyone working with everyone which mm -hmm. is so cool because you can kind of make a friend in that way but for the most part um these were people that I knew in my life, like a couple of the people were musicians who happened to also do like film stuff for fun. Um, one of the animators who also animated, animated two of the tiny songs and then animated my most recent music video for a regular size of song, still short, <laughs> but regular. Um, that person, her name is Vanessa De La Mora, and she is like my neighbor, like just oh, a nice. really That's good awesome. friend. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's just like someone where it's like, oh my gosh, like you are so talented, like can, you know, and we're hanging out all the time anyway. And it was like, would it be cool if maybe, you know, so uh, it was very close to home. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of really good friends and like collaborators from different parts and times of my life on that project um do you think you'll kind of push more of a visual element to your music when you're moving forward 
hope so. Yes, I think yes. Um, just because I feel like I'm finally in a place in my artistry where I sort of can even imagine what that would look like and where I have collaborators who are down to help me with that. But it took a really long time to to come to feeling confident in engaging with my own visual art and with um, being participatory in it. Okay, kind of talking about your progression as a musician. Um, in your 15 Questions interview, you kind of talked about how, which was a few years ago at this point, um, you were practicing writing over loops because you're used to the writing songs over the guitar. Yes. How has that kind of come along? <laughs> <laughs> you think you gotten better at that? Um, I feel like I wrote like one song that way, and I was like, hmm, well, that sure was fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I did it, and then no. So no, I haven't really done much of that right now. What I have in my craw as a concept, I think it's always good to be imagining stuff that is kind of alongside your art and maybe something will develop into a new passion and maybe it won't. Mm -hmm. um, right now I'm really enjoying the idea, just a dream of like making a slow core EP where that I play awesome. everything. Yeah, yeah, you think? <laughs> I love, I feel like my songs are very not drony. They're very, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of melody. It's all packed really, really tight. And that's like a, a strength of mine, I think, but I love, I love the slow drone. I love it, so I'm hopeful that that will be my next exploration. And maybe just for me, you know, maybe nothing comes out, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I do want to kind of touch on that. So when you're kind of in the kind of beginning stage of maybe you have a handful of tracks that kind of have a similar vibe or aesthetic, how do you kind of go from there being like, okay, this is going to be something that's going to be a complete project. Or it's going to be like, oh, this is just something like a little side exploration. Like, people probably won't see this, and that's fine. How's that kind of decision made? That's a really good question. And, like, with the Tiny Songs record, the answer was, like, it's all going in. Like, yeah. all this random stuff. We're just doing it. Mm. Um, I've made my past two full-length records with... Wolfie, who is my partner in art and in life, um, and who is also sitting in this room right now silently. It's a big reveal. But, um, and so that having a partner in the creation and arrangement and engineering means that I will have written a whole bunch of songs and then I sort of bring him in, like, okay, I have this collection. Let's go through and kind of imagine what are we feeling? Is this going to be super fast? Is it a slow? Is it, um, are we going for beautiful or kind of jagged? Like what are the forms that these particular works can take? And you go through every single song and you see what it wants and what it needs and where, um, you know, our visions might align or where it's like, oh, I heard that totally differently. Um, so in that way, I think it's very collaborator-oriented. And I do, you know, when I have time, really enjoy collaborating with other friends who work in other genres. Sometimes, you know, I've produced out a few things for friends where I haven't written it at all. Sometimes I'm more participatory from the beginning. Um, 
But I also love how that music doesn't necessarily have to come out and it can just be enjoyed and it can be its own process. And then when I get with Wolfie to make an album, it's like, okay, like we're making an album. Like we want to make the whole thing and we're doing it ourselves and we're going to share it with the world. And that's its own thing, you know? Wolfie, would you be comfortable answering a few questions? (gasps) Um, You know, passing down the mic real quick. Hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> um, so you seem like you're kind of very involved in the creation process of music. Do you think you kind of learned that skill from somewhere? Um, I went to music school, but as a singer-songwriter. So I learned all of the music performance skills in college. And then when I got out of college, I only realized I wanted to produce my senior year. And I was like, well, I think I want to be in control of everything. <laughs> um, then after school, I, a friend passed on a job that she had to me, which mm-hmm. was working in a guy's home studio, where I still sometimes work now, like seven, eight years later. Oh, and he's like a really, awesome. he's a really good friend. But he was like my mentor mm-hmm. and basically taught me everything, like how to use mics, mm. how to which mics are which, and how to plug them in, and how to mic a drum kit, and how to mm. mic a guitar, and here are all the different kind of pedals, and here's how you do everything. And so it was learning there, and I was always overly confident, mm-hmm. telling people I could record them, <laughs> very confident, mm-hmm. and I think to to decent results. Okay. Um, so then I just recorded everyone because I had gone to music school, and that's mm-hmm. where I met Rosie, mm-hmm. and so I just recorded all of my friends. And I'd been doing that ever since. So I just kind of learned on the fly, and here we are. Okay, I do want to kind of touch on that. I, I, both of y'all can kind of speak to this question. Um, what do you think going to, like, school or university or whatever, like, perfect, like in an actual professional sense, do you think that really helped you kind of kick off your music career, or do you think you maybe would have been better off using that money and time elsewhere? That is a really good and really important question that people who want to work in the arts need to be asking themselves. Mm. Um, I don't think we went to um, USC, which is like a super duper expensive private Mm -hmm. university. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that I can really know the degree to which one way or another the money and time spent might have shaken out i think that music education is beautiful and i think that that the opportunity to cultivate your skills in an environment where there is not pressure to make money and where you have kind of at any time access to resources like recording studios or even practice rooms with pianos in them um is just hugely useful and so in that way I think that college is beautiful I know you know someone who dropped out who is having a banging career um and I know people who have completed music school some of whom are playing ginormous rooms and some of whom have totally normal day jobs so so I can't really speak to what the path is. I know that at USC and in my life, there's a lot of like financial privilege, and that mm-hmm. is a huge, huge factor in who is able to make this career work. Um, 
But yeah, that was kind of a non-answer. But I think that <laughs> I think that using the school's resources is really really cool, and there are uh, not a lot of environments like that. Um, so if you can get into the school's resources, like even if you're getting like the worst grades in the world, sometimes it might be worth it uh-huh. if you can hang. I don't know. What do you think, Wolfie? Yeah, I think just being immersed in in the subject was the most valuable. Being immersed in the subject, and we were in a major called popular music. I was in the second graduating class. It was like School of Rock. It was so dumb. It was so experimental. They were (laughs) still figuring it out. Like, I'm sure it's so much better now, Uh because I graduated like almost 10 years ago. So I'm sure it's so much better now. They were just figuring it out. But the Mm -hmm. course load is huge. Mm -hmm. Like, it was really busy. We were as busy as like the architecture students in terms of our units we were taking and our our homework. So just being immersed in the subject and being in a really small class of like 25 with other people who are also immersed was invaluable. And as someone who's pretty shy, I don't think I would have found myself with other musicians unless Mm -hmm. I was in school for it. Um, But it really is the focus. And the four years of just playing, Mm -hmm. so much playing, Mm -hmm. so much guitar. I had never played as much guitar until like, COVID when I mm. was like in my room watching movies and playing guitar. So that was valuable for me. Okay. Um, kind of speaking as a NB myself, how does kind of your identity kind of shape its way into your music besides like the obvious, like your song like Gay Bar? But how does it, do you think it may maybe a more subconscious level kind of plays into your music? I have to think. I do think to some degree it is subconscious. I guess with me and the idea of being non-binary, I feel like we were talking about this the other night where I was like, I feel like I like the term agender. Like I have people in my life who are non-binary who are like reveling in gender. They like want it all, you know. They they like love um, you know, fashion expression in a huge range of ways and like they're feeling I'm today I'm mask and today I'm femme and um for me the way that I have related to gender is I just have always felt like it is confusing and someone has to tell me the rules. <laughs> I agree. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so I feel like for me embracing gender neutrality internally and for myself and allowing myself the gift of like no like i am i am refusing to stake a claim anywhere (laughs) it has enabled me to be so much more free in how i relate to my art and my relationships and just strangers other people because I am not interacting with people and expecting that there is a particular role I do or do not need to fill so I don't I don't know if there's a concrete way that I can express that that comes out in music except that I think the fact that I am able to make music and enjoy it so much and like so much of the joy in my life comes from living in that truth awesome I think another joy of your music comes from your humor I think um, <laughs> I think a, a lot of indie artists are picking up on like your song doesn't have to be sad and serious all the time. It can be funny. 
Um, what what kind of role does humor play into your music? I love this question so deeply. There is such a um, kind of, I'm not trying to talk smack, but there's such an <laughs> annoying meme culture of like, oh, sad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so sad. And... I people will feel what they feel and process uh, when and how they process mm-hmm. and if music plays a role in that yeah 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 but <laughs> I feel like there is so much more to be confused and angry about I agree um yeah. sadness has this kind of like passive uh you know giving up vibe to mm-hmm. it whereas like being perturbed is eternal like you're alive if you're confused and there's mm-hmm. so much to be confused about people mm-hmm. are strange out here <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, even like with gender, it's like uh-huh. it's it's just absurd and counterintuitive. So I think that, um, yeah, humor is is just abundant in the world because people are bizarre and it is just a coping mechanism for not being um, like totally upset all the time. If you are able to just hold whatever is so strange about a situation and like kind of enjoy it. Um, like I'm thinking about this one time that I played a show in Cleveland and it was in a basement and it was like the week of Halloween, but it wasn't Halloween and my life was, my personal life was falling apart and we were supposed to stay with one of the other bands and they all came in dressed as clowns, like scary, (laughs) like scary dressed as clowns. And one of them, this dude in this band was like staring at my pedal board at the end of the set and was like, this pedal made this noise. And I was like, no, this pedal made that noise. And he was like, no, this pedal made this noise. And I was just like so exhausted and talking to a clown <laughs> about my pedal board. And it was like, okay, like I'm, I can't, I can't be upset. I yeah. just have to be like, this is an experience. Yeah. It's for me to enjoy later. Yeah. Yeah. So, so many things that are frustrating and ang- make you angry or sad at the time just are hilarious looking back upon it and I think it should be more about realizing things will be better when you look back upon them yeah like that's like resilience building uh-huh. like people you gotta you have to be able to laugh at the ways that people are very absurd mm-hmm. because it's too stressful you can't afford to let your heart rate go up that often you For know <laughs> um so I kind of wanted to talk about some of your Instagram posts. Um, you oh. kind <laughs> so you have at least one pair of the famous prints, three eyes, oh, glasses. Yes. Um, are you? A, I'm assuming you're a fan. You know what? I know that these are famous prints glasses, but I have not done my homework about prints no i know this is (laughs) revealing and embarrassing um and if you have recommendations for where to start if you are a fan i am very curious because he's just one of the like mega mega super artists that it's like oh i know that i gotta get in there and i have not yet no 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 pressure he has like a million albums yeah (laughs) a lot of them are not good really you think that um, but I think um, The Truth, I think it was, what, 96 it was released. I think that's a good album. Okay. Like, more acoustic. You can really hear his, he has an amazing voice, and you can really hear that on that album. Cool. Um, well, something you do know about, you 
recently changed your Spotify profile to it. Um, you're over at Whammies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, can you talk to me a bit about why you like that place? Oh, man. Whammy Analog is a VHS store in Los Angeles. And um, we had our tiny song premiere there. We did a mm -hmm. premiere party. I'm putting air quotes. Um, I mean, it was a technically premiere, but it was mostly just a really sweet gathering. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. It's just a really great place. It's got a beautiful vibe. It's run by a couple of really cool people. They put on like um, a ton of interesting cult films and like, you know, old queer films, like really cool programming. Um, and then, yeah, they have all of these VHS tapes and they just look beautiful. I don't have a VHS player, but they just, they look so great. And the the art of um, of that physical form is so fun to peruse. So yeah, it was really fun to take photos there. Nice. So I've been to Cali once for a few hours. Oh, wow. And you grow, grew up in San um, Fernando? Am I pronouncing that right? The, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. San Fernando Valley. Yes. San Fernando is a city within the San Fernando Valley. Okay. But why were you in Cali for a couple of hours? Um, basically, we were moving from um, Hawaii back to the, the mainland. And that was the, the fastest way. So we drove immediately out of the state when we got there. Wow, okay. Yeah. Okay, very interesting. I will ask you more questions later. <laughs> um, but yes, I am from the San Fernando Valley. Okay, so if you had to take all of us on a tour, a one-day tour, where are we going? Oh, that is... Oh, my God, we don't. we need more than one day. Los Angeles is so spread out. It's so spread out. Um... Okay, but we only have one day. Just think about like the valley. Like if we're staring at oh, San Fernando. Going to the valley. valley for one day. Yeah, for one day. Okay. Um I think that we need to go either to the top of Topanga or the top of Reseda. Mm, okay. I feel like to have the experience that I want you to have for the one day, uh -huh. um, we need to get some fast food. Okay. And Wait, what, what? No, no. What fast food are what we getting? What fast food? Are you an In and Out enjoyer? I do enjoy In and Out. We okay. could get In and Out. Honestly, if we're gonna get In and Out, we should go to In and Out. Like we should eat In, the oh, in okay. and Out when it's okay. gonna be the best. Um, so maybe we like. Go to the In and Out, uh -huh. um, and like I think there's one on Sherman Way, and mm -hmm. like we get the animal fries, uh -huh. and I get the grilled cheese because I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> um, maybe you're hungry, you get a double double. I uh -huh. don't know. Uh, I like the grilled onions also, and the chopped mm -hmm. chilies. I have the most involved In and Out order. They're so <laughs> professional. Every time I'm like, I am so, I feel like I need to apologize, but they're so, so pro. They always get it. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so we eat at In-N-Out while the uh -huh. fries are still hot, and then uh -huh. we'll take the milkshakes, and then we'll drive uh, okay. to uh -huh. 
the top of Reseda or the top of Topanga. That one is a little more involved of a hike, but mm. yeah. And then we're just gonna look at the lights. Like we're just gonna enjoy maybe a beautiful sunset and see, you know, if there's any new tags mm. in the area that are nice, cool art, and and we'll just enjoy it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, kind of talking about the the greater LA area. Yeah. How I'm just curious because it seems like every single influencer, musician, artist <laughs> <laughs> finds their way to LA I in some know. way. I'm just curious how how often do you run into other other people like you? Oh, like it must be man. constant. Um, <laughs> people like me. Uh-huh. I mean, now I live in a suburb. And it's so beautiful. Uh-huh. I love that a lot. It just depends on what part of town you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't want to. S- <laughs> I don't want to say that people shouldn't move to Los Angeles, <laughs> but I. It's fine to gatekeep. Okay. Okay. Wow. I have permission now to gatekeep. How liberating for me. Um, no, I just feel like I I don't spend a ton of time. Like there are neighborhoods that are basically super high end shopping malls now, uh-huh. where ten years ago they might not have been. Um, and so I don't I don't think that I spend a ton of time in the parts of Los Angeles where I would like would run into mm-hmm. the people that are doing music careers uh-huh. like they those parts of LA totally exist and if I go to them there's a feeling of like oh I like what if I run into someone but like <laughs> that's no fun at all like yeah. I don't want to I want to hang out with the people who I hang out with um most of whom do not have music careers mm-hmm. and um you know not all of whom but most of whom and I want to like eat at the spots I want to eat at and I don't really want anyone to know about them and when people tell me they're moving to LA I have a really hard time <laughs> remaining neutral and neither in neither um encouraging nor dissuading them okay. because it's their life and mm-hmm. they can do what they want okay but but also, don't, don't, I mean, it's like we're in a housing crisis. Like, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard for everyone in Los Angeles already. Like, it's hard out here. And uh, there are so many beautiful cities you can live in in this country. And uh, I think there should be an application. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, also on your Instagram, you posted that you wanted some music suggestions, but it had to be weird. Yes. Um, can you kind of talk about what, what weird music is to you? Yes, that's a really great question. I feel like, so the distinctions that I put on that Instagram post were like before 2010, or mm-hmm. it was like any of these categories. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to qualify with all of them. But before 2010, which I like because there's enough distance to where I will not feel like, ooh, how is it received and what is the contemporary mm. relationship to it? Or um, in a language other than English, mm-hmm. which I like because we can be so, so even just United States-centric. I not agree. we. A lot of people, though, yes. Yeah. 
Um, or just English-centric. In- very English-centric, yes, exactly. And there's such a wide world of amazing music and mm-hmm. pop music and rock music and, like, you know, jazz, every everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember what my third category was. Oh, really bad? Yeah, <laughs> really bad. Okay, so really bad is really important uh. and really specific. Um, and like we Are we talking like the shags? Yes, I was gonna bring up okay. outsider music, which like yes, Wolfie is nodding along because he's done a ton of outsider music listening and has okay. great taste in the bad and weird. Um, but yeah, there is bad art that is so sincerely made mm. and um that it will cycle around and become unironically enjoyable. (laughs) And the absence of irony is very important in it being good, bad. Because if there's irony, then there's this kind of weird, like, um, superiority, punching down, I think I'm better than this art, and I'm enjoying that I think someone is stupid. That sucks. That's not fun. What's really fun is when a song is so shockingly far away from <laughs> the conventions of music that uh-huh. I am accustomed to that my heart is unguarded against it uh-huh. and then I cannot help but enjoy it forever. Okay. Yeah. Now you've made me very curious. Wolfie, can you kind of put on our audience to some outsider music? Have you? Are you aware of the Instagram account Catatonic Youths? I am not. Oh, my God. If you're into weird, bad outsider music, it's basically an Instagram account that curates, and I don't know how they find I don't know who runs it. I don't know mm. how they find it. There are always, like, famous musicians and actors commenting on the posts, but they oh. curate videos, horrible music videos or performances <laughs> of amateur outsider musicians from like all decades Uh and they make the most hilarious edits and they'll share them on their Instagram. So that's a great place to find like truly the weird that I wouldn't find that you wouldn't find in like more traditional sources of outsider music like Mm -hmm. Daniel Johnston and the Shags and all of the famous outsider musicians. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff from Catatonic Youths is really good. And I'm also thinking uh, an old friend that I don't talk to anymore showed me a girl she went to high school with <laughs> who made a song <laughs> called It's Just Not My Day <laughs> by Jules McDonald. Oh, your name is Not your the name drop. Oh, sheesh. It's really good. Okay. It's a classic. Okay. It's a classic. It's a classic. I can't believe you're coming out about that song. Yeah. If Kivel wants to bleep it, they can. Mm. They can, but... That's I'll decide just, and post. <laughs> but that is just one that I can think of that I've come into contact personally where it's like, I, I've shown it to like every single person I've yeah. met because that is one <laughs> that truly, like, uh-huh. to Rosie's point, un, my heart was unguarded. I was so surprised. And how often does music surprise you? Yeah, the weird can really 
I think surprise is the most important word. And it's a little bit like um, you obviously want to be surprised and moved by works of beauty. Like that's great. But how often? Like that's that's rare. Um, And it's also rare to be surprised by something that is so bad that it's good. But yeah, the shock is just I feel like it puts me in touch with something about being alive that is mm-hmm. like essential that I think that speaks also to the humor of people being just unruly and um, unpredictable and like ending up in strange situations. It's like, this is, we're really in the stuff of like being alive. I also want to <laughs> mention songs in the key of Z, which is an archive of outsider music that was compiled in like the nineties or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of weird yeah. stuff out there. I kind of, what you said was very interesting, kind of talking about um, kind of that human touch to what we create. That's why I think AI music will never take off. I just feel like even to like a very casual listener, I feel like the human touch, even if it's mass marketed in a way, I don't know. I just feel like that human touch is something you can't replicate, in my opinion. I think that's very true. I feel like we were watching like um, either a Lifetime or a Hallmark movie on hotel TV and it was like AI can't make art that is this bad and sincere and Mm -hmm. therefore we're safe. I also think, I mean, I can totally imagine because we live in the the era of memes Mm -hmm. um, and I can like totally imagine AI creating a song that is like a, a low key hit, like a bop, like <laughs> holy moly. I'm avoiding cursing, is what I just did. Yeah. Swerved. Um, but like, I could totally imagine AI making a song that a bunch of people are like, this is actually so good, and it going super viral and whatever. And then, you know, I'm sure there will be horrible discourse, but what is important <laughs> is that it is. If a song made by an AI is pleasing, it will be pleasing to humans, and it will have been taught to please humans by humans, and it will still be a Mm. thoroughly human phenomenon. It's Mm -hmm. just like sending light through a bunch of mirrors and then being shocked when the light is in a different place. It's like, well, we did that. Like, Mm. if someone writes a program that makes a song that is like, you know, the hit of the year 2030, like, then uh, that's just, you know, whatever. That's just the way that it is. We've also had, you have me thinking about what we're now calling hyperpop, but what we, I think, used to be kind of be calling PC music, and, like, I'm thinking about Sophie, um, mm. who was not, out as a woman I don't think when she began making music yeah you're right on that I remember there being like conversation around that and people being like is it okay that this person is like taking on a woman's name and like altering their voice to sound like a woman like is that you know like weird or suspect and Mm. it's like no that was a that was a trans person Mm. utilizing technology to be trans, like, mm-hmm. to access that aspect of their humanity, which they are entitled to. Um, and so I think that there is something with the trans people and the technology and the ability to alter our environment um, to 
make the world what we want it to be and to Mm. be unafraid of change that is important and i think that the technology only begins to scare me when it is um when it gets in the mix of the capitalism and the Mm. profit motivation but before that, it's like, yeah, let's see who can make the best AI song and like, <laughs> let's party. Like, that sounds really fun. Like, I want robot pop stars. Like, they're not all going to be good. Some robot pop stars are going to suck and some are going to be amazing. And I want to have a favorite, you know? Okay. Like your positive attitude towards <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so, right now, you're kind of in an in between moment between like shows. I've always kind of wondered what it what it kind of looks like as an artist, what the in between looks like between going from here to there to here. It's a it's really nice. So like, I've played. I'm on this tour right now, um, and I've played nine shows, and there are three left. And didn't have very many days off on this tour. I've been on tours where there is more time to, you know, go to a big park or go to a bookstore or whatever. Um, and there's been a little bit of that. We went to a great record store in D.C. yesterday. But, um, but like, today we just drove and talked a lot about... Um, the honestly the music industry and like I got dinner with a friend in DC yesterday and they were talking about you know how do you unionize in this particular part of the instrumentalists and so today we just we just had a lot to talk about in terms of uh thinking about how it all works and how it can be better um you might call me a phony for this one but (gasps) I've only started listening to your music very recently, but I have gone through all of it, and it's amazing. (laughs) I don't Uh, think that's phony. I don't think that there's any time limit, and I can't believe that you've gone through all of it. You could have just listened to, like, four songs and been like, got it. I will ask some questions. No, I couldn't do that with your music. (laughs) (gasps) Wow. Um, I, I don't know. I just love, like, listening to... Sucker Supreme for the first time was an amazing experience, and I thank you for that. Like, going through that album, I was just like, I had a smile on my face the whole way through. That is so cool. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, And one of the things that always, like, even first listen, I've only, I like, choruses stuck out in my mind immediately. I was like, this is so catchy. This is so fun. Like, how do you kind of come up with, something that's going to stick in your listeners' minds. Oh, it just has to be fun to sing and fun to play. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm, okay. Yeah, no tips. I don't know. There's no there's no way to gamify it. You just have to enjoy making it. Do you make music? I don't. I have no musical talent. That's very interesting. The people <laughs> that are so so ingrained in the listening and participating, you don't want to try. For me, it's like I listen to enough music, which I know, which basically I know what standard I want to be on before mm. I put out anything or even like have someone else listen to it. Mm. And I feel like I wouldn't be able to get to that point anytime soon. So I'm too embarrassed to start. That makes a lot of sense. I understand that. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. 
Um, kind of talking about your lyrics, you do mention Doritos a little bit. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, do you have any other cheese snacks or any snacks in general that you, you enjoy as well? Uh, yeah, I, I love the cheese snacks. I love, um, I like the white cheddar Cheez-Its personally. Good taste. Thank you. Um, hot Cheetos are a very important snack in the world. I do not <laughs> indulge as often as I might like, um, mm-hmm. especially the hot Cheetos with lime. Like I like all of the, uh, the Lay's products that are lime flavored, even though they destroy my mouth. <laughs> Any other cheese snacks? I've eaten a lot of Baby Bells today. Oh. Yeah. That's a blast in the past. Yeah. I attempted. <laughs> it's very nice for touring because you just don't have time. So you, they're, you know, they're compact. And mm. um, they make vegan ones now. And they're <gasps> very strange. Wow. Yes. Do they even taste like cheese? No. <laughs> no, they don't. How would you describe it? It was... Almost like cheese. Almost, okay. It was almost like, you know, like the block of cream cheese? Not like the whipped cream cheese, but like the really, Mm -hmm. okay, so Mm -hmm. the very dense cream cheese. I would say it was like that, but even denser. Like very, very dense. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm getting into texture. I'm getting very specific. (laughs) (laughs) It was very dense. There was no chewiness at all. Oh. It was kind of like, um, not flavor-wise, but I would imagine if an eraser was melting, <laughs> this is what it would feel like. I don't know if that sounds very appetizing. It was very strange. Okay. Yeah. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you about as we're wrapping this up was the trans pizza party. Yes. That looks like a ton of fun can you kind of describe what that event is like yes um well wolfie and i should both talk about it because it's something we do together but trans pizza party has been um just an a huge source of delight and joy in our lives we just uh we just wanted to hang out with trans people and Mm. We wanted it to be as simple and as easy as possible. Um, Mm. And we're both pretty introverted. And so the idea was like, okay, we're going to pick this pizza place that is in our neighborhood that is really close to us. Mm. And if uh, it's like a total failure, like if we hate (laughs) everyone who shows up, like we're only there, we said five to seven. Like we're going to be at this pizza restaurant from five to seven. And like worst case scenario, it's uh, Yeah, we leave. We get out of there. Who cares? Um, And instead, it has just blossomed into this. We do it on the second Sunday of every month, so it's consistent, Mm -hmm. and that's really important. Uh Not today. (laughs) Not today because we're on tour, but but we got plans. We got plans. And next time, we got to figure out a sub, you know, but it's okay. We'll figure it out. But, yeah, we've been really consistent. We've done six of them, Mm -hmm. and then we'll be doing a trans giving when we get home. Awesome. Um, but I don't know. It's just a. It's just amazing. It's good people. It's mm-hmm. really good food. It's grown every time, and it's like the best thing ever. And I think that anyone who can throw a trans pizza party, especially if you can do it, it's like a once a month. Like you're gonna make friends, which is so cool. I don't know, Wolfie. 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 Let's hear what you think about trans pizza parties. 
Oh, I love TPP. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we just we would walk the dog and go on these long, long walks because mm-hmm. he loves to walk us three and a half miles, <laughs> and we would chat and we were just feeling like, like, like I said, I'm like almost ten years out of college. Mm-hmm. Rosie's almost eight years out of college. Where you don't, I don't really talk to a lot of my college friends. Definitely don't talk to high school friends. I'm feeling like, okay, I'm thirty. I'm, I want, would like to make some more friends, and I want to meet the trans people. I don't want to see trans people on Twitter or Instagram mm-hmm. because then I might hate them. Because <laughs> they might be super annoying because yeah. it's Instagram and Twitter, and I don't want to hate my trans siblings. I want to know some trans people, and obviously in my friend group. Most of them are already trans or queer. And so we just thought, like, well, where are we going to meet them? Like, maybe we should just throw something, a trans pizza party. That, that's it. That's exactly what it sounds like. We'll do it. And so, um, yeah, that's what we do. And, yeah, excited. And I thought, you know, well, Wolfie, if, if you do this for a year, then you get to make merch. <laughs> oh, the, the merch would go insane. Yeah, and I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, I'll do it for a year, and then I can make shirts. But yeah, it's just been really fun meeting a bunch of trans people and they're like everyone, there are a lot of people, some as young as like 20 and some that are my age, um, so early 30s or mid 30s and they're so, the people that come are just so open and generous with their talking and it's so different from socializing when we were in college and being like, oh my God, I'm so nervous to chat with people like <laughs> it's gonna be so boring and uh-huh. everyone's gonna be so like like i feel so dark on these people uh-huh. like everyone's gonna be so shady mm-hmm. and competitive especially in mm-hmm. our music scene but then with trans pizza party they're just down to socialize and then people are talking about like how they got their name changed or like mm-hmm. going on hormones and it just mm-hmm. kind of comes up because it turns out that the the critical mass for trans people to talk about transness is two. <laughs> <laughs> so when you get like a group of 20 to 30 trans people, it's like there are going to be some really interesting conversations. People who, you know, work crazy jobs, people who are out to their families and people who are still in the closet. Like mm-hmm. it's really cool. It's really fun to meet real people in the real world and especially trans people because, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if you've heard, but people don't like us very much. Re- really? <laughs> Here in America? I can imagine. <laughs> so yeah, just really grateful for it and um, hopefully when we go on tour, we will have the um, sp- uh, like space of mind and mm-hmm. the forethought to like plan something while we're on the road in yeah. different cities because guess yeah. what? A lot of Rosie Tucker fans, also trans and queer. So, so yeah, we would like to keep doing it for a long time. You're laughing because I was eager to get the mic back. (laughs) Um, And also Trans Pizza Party is so cool. It's so cool for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. One of them is like, it's like trans as an umbrella term. Like we got every every gender, every type of way of relating to gender and to sexuality. Like, we got poly people, we got monogamous people, like, we got, you know, we got lesbians, we got the (laughs) bi's, like, we got everybody, we got gay guys up in here, like, we have 
so many different ways of relating to identity. And I think that in queerness, sometimes, and this is not, uh, this is not a dig at all, but sometimes there can be kind of like, come to this event that is like specifically about this type of person trying to do this type of thing. Um, but what is so cool, I don't know why, but like, just, just keeping it simple maybe has meant that it's just like this huge, vast group of different sorts of people who are all hanging out with different interests and like like we got like I don't know so many people who play video games so many beautiful <laughs> women who play video games come to trans pizza party anyways so uh, it would have been smart to conclude when Wolfie was done talking but I just <laughs> wanted to say that I love all of the different forms that transness can take and it is just it's just so sick to experience that firsthand. Solidarity is awesome. Solidarity rules. <laughs> um, so I am sadly out of questions for you. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about that I did not touch upon? I don't think so. I really enjoyed all of your questions. Thank you so much for giving so much attention and care to the music and for thinking up such interesting stuff to talk about. And can you remind the listeners one more time where you're going to be tomorrow? Yes, tomorrow I am going to be at the Pin Hook in Durham. Mm -hmm. And an artist named Rhodes Baby is going to be playing songs before me. So it'll be really fun. Thank you all for tuning in to this interview. You can check out other interviews at wknc.org slash podcast and click on Off the Record. I'm Keith LA on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Rally. Thank you for listening and take care. Yeah.